Welcome to Your Divorce Planner Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi B., certified divorce coach, event expert, and go-to gal for navigating the next steps of your divorce journey. I'm so happy you've tuned in for the tools, topics, and truth talk to start transforming your life today. I truly believe that with a powerful planning partner, you will heal the heartbreak and move forward faster. Without further delay, let's continue creating your comeback today. Okay. Hi, everyone. Uh, This is Ellen Siegel, a life coach, spiritual coach, problem solver, personal growth uh, enthusiast, and uh, welcome to Enlightening Conversations. And today I'm here with Heidi B. Heidi, say a few things about you and the work that you do. Sure. So much for having me here, Ellen. I'm Heidi B, as Ellen said, and I am the founder of Your Divorce Planner. It is a company that helps women coordinate their comeback after divorce. And I like to say it's really helping people find their new normal and heal their heartbreak because as a divorce woman myself, I woke up one morning after I had signed my divorce papers and that didn't really solve anything or create my happiness that I wanted. Like I thought it would. It actually made me feel really scared and terrified. So I help all those divorced women really fill in the gaps and create that new normal again, because it can be a really uncertain place to be and kind of go, what now, what next? And we help answer those questions. Great. And thank you for doing this today. So we were tossing around some topics that certainly fit in, um, you know, divorce planning. And in the general topic that interests me is being happy no matter what, which is an enduring satisfaction in life, despite the troubles, the pitfalls, the challenges that we all get to experience in one way or another. So we're tossing around topics for today that would interest us. And one of the ones that sort of rose to the top was creating more meaningful moments. And I can say that from the be happy no matter what perspective, that we're all living each moment. And as soon as we live a moment, it goes right into history and there's the next moment. And so it's very easy to get caught up in all the things that we do every day, need to do, choose to do, even service that we give, and it can really enrich your life to derive meaning and richness from each moment. So that's where I'm coming from when talking about creating meaningful moments. How about you, Heidi? Yeah, I love that you come from the Perspective of be happy no matter what. It's one of the reasons why I love connecting with you is that perspective and uniqueness around that perspective. One of the things at your divorce planner, as you know, but our viewers may not know, is I'm really big on helping people reclaim their joy and tapping into that that space again. And so 
for me, I felt like when my joy was gone, it was really difficult. It felt like that from a mind perspective at the time, but I didn't know the difference really at that time between mind and body and the connection and unification that's available there. But my mind felt like it was really hard to create meaningful moments anymore because the person that I was creating so many of those moments with was no longer accessible in my life. And I've just come to realize over the past eight years that I've processed and healed and moved forward that there is so much more meaning in my life than I was giving credit to. There are so many more people that I can make myself available to that I don't have to wait for you know, somebody who's been in a 15-year or 20-year relationship with me to make those meaningful moments. They can happen with a lot of different people all around me, even strangers sometimes. So it's just become clear. And I don't know if that this concept has been just kind of marinating within me for a while now because I just turned 40 last year. And so perhaps it is moving into that decade that is allowing me to be a little more introspective. And I guess it's creating this kind of like reevaluation of self and values and value and just how I want to spend my time, who I want to spend it with, and not just move through life, right? Not just wake up and do the motions and do the routines and show up in the places and check the boxes. But what does showing up to life every day actually look like for me? And how does that become meaningful, not only for me, but with the people that I'm intertwining myself with? How do both of us get to feel more elevated and more valued in this lifetime by not just creating moments, but meaningful moments. Mm -hmm. So a couple of things come to mind off of what you're saying. So first, the one that jumps out at me is meaning, the term meaning. And that meaningful to me is likely to be different than meaningful to the next person. Sure. And there's so many, we're all unique. We have a lot of similarities. We may all have the same feelings and issues, yet configured entirely differently inside. So I just want to talk for a minute about meaning for me. And then I really would love if there's something you could share about that. Perfect. You. So I'm looking back over my life and um, what's had meaning and what's been consistently meaningful to me. And one of the things that stands out because I felt deprived of it. So I made like a big noise because I didn't have it. So, gee, that was a way to point at something that was meaningful to me. Okay. And what that is, is emotional intimacy. So I know when I'm in the supermarket and I greet the person at the checkout and I say, how are you today? Sometimes they're interested and sometimes they're not. When they are interested, I really want to know. 
and we have an intimate moment. And that means something to me. Yes. In my relationship with my husband, I'll call him my first husband. It appeared to me that there weren't emotionally intimate moments from my perspective. Yes. And um, so much so. And then as a person who's been a counselor and a coach, people come to me, you know, like to you with their intimate experiences. And we get included to be supportive and helpful to the degree the person is interested and can use. And so to live with a person who maybe didn't have the skills or the awareness or the interest, because I didn't know any of that because he wasn't that verbal about his feelings. I got to a point where I just couldn't go another day with the consciousness I had. Mm -hmm. So I brought about a divorce and you know, the story, the, the fast forward part is that during the time we were divorced, we stayed connected and he did a lot of personal work, which I had no idea about. And then we came back together because all of a sudden we were having what I figured in my terminology were meaningful moments, meaning emotional intimacy. I mean, we always had fun and we, there was other meaning, but this kind of meaning is what stood out to me. And then later on in our lives, we remarried. And so as my second husband, and we make that joke, (laughs) as my second husband, he is more forthcoming. That's all I could say. Certainly I did a lot of change and, you know, maybe we'll take that up in a you know, a focused conversation on what happens when someone gets divorced, you know, and I grew a lot and I thought, you know, I wondered, did he change that much or was it me? So, (laughs) you know, but he did, there was, there was growth. So anyway, that's what stands out as meaning for me, intimate, emotional moments. Yes. Oof. I love everything that you just said. For me, meaning is something that deeply matters to me. And it's something that is connected into or woven into my values, my beingness. But even more than that, when I think about, when I say out loud to you, I want to create more meaningful moments. What I mean is I want to create moments where I feel more connected to others. So I love what you said about intimacy and that connection because I used to think that I had social anxiety. You've heard people say that before, right? Social anxiety where you're around people and it just feels a bit overwhelming and you feel kind of tight inside. Then I realized, Ellen, I don't have social anxiety. I have what I've diagnosed myself as, and I might have probably made up these terms too, surface level anxiety. Mm -hmm. 
What and is- say more about what that means. Yes. What that means for me is I always thought I was kind of a misfit. I always had lots of friends and connections, but there were only a few that I felt very intimate with and close with. And I think it's because there was a difference between me being social and surface level of, hey, how are you? How are the kids? How's the dog? How's the job? That versus I want to know you questions. What's been, I love asking people, what's been lighting you up these days? Or where are you finding yourself stuck these days? Is there any way that I can support you? And it's not to be a coach in any way, but I think I've lost friends. I've realized this actually just in the past five years. I think I've lost friends who don't desire to have those meaningful, deep conversations with me because they don't want to go in there because maybe it feels a little intimidating to answer those questions on your own. And before I used to think there was just something wrong with me Mm. and that, why do I feel like I need to talk about these deep things with other people and know other people? There's some really neat books out right now. And now I can't remember the name of them, but they're essentially just question books. Mm. And one of my favorite things to do is to find someone who will sit at a coffee shop or go to the pool with me or go somewhere with me. And we just start reading questions out of the question book and learning more about each other. So that part of meaning is really important to me. And when you said things that are consistently meaningful to you, it got me thinking, well, what's consistently meaningful to me? So number one is feeling more deeply connected with someone else. But I've realized that I really, really find a lot of meaningful, memorable moments when there's variety, Mm. surprise and delight, laughter. And those are some of my really big values. And I've learned this about myself that it's not that I get bored easily, but I just really love adding a splash of variety to things. That could be just drinking out of a different kind of cup, drinking my lemonade out of a wine glass. That could be my partner saying on a Tuesday night, do you want to go to the lake and watch the sunset? It could even be hey, do you want to go on a walk around the neighborhood? Because maybe we don't take nightly walks. But that kind of surprise and delight, being fully present, seeing life a little bit differently, that helps my body hold a memorable moment for life. It's there at a deep cellular, cellular level. There's a really, really cute movie by Pixar called Inside Out. Have you ever seen it? Yes. That movie talks about golden, it comes like in a golden orb. And when those memorable moments are made, this golden orb goes and deposits into her lifetime bank. And sometimes those memorable moments are sad moments. If you've anyone watching this has ever gone through loss in any capacity, there can be really beautiful moments in celebrations of life or My mom was here this weekend and we were just talking about my grandmother and walking through the field and seeing a butterfly and talking about how that reminds us of grandma, but sad or 
happier moments can create those core memories. And that's really what I am looking to spend more time in versus just letting life happen. Right. Right. So you just said something that brings up some other thoughts. The idea of letting life happen, I'm going to say versus, although it's not adversarial. Yeah. That is making choices. That it's possible to make choices. I think a lot of people, certainly there was a time I felt like I didn't have a choice. So there's that. That's one piece. The other is the recognition that possibly to have more meaningful moments, you might need to scratch the surface of, you know, social activity. And then some people will engage with you and others will not. And that leads me to another thing that we were talking about earlier is like, what do I truly desire? And that could be a more meaningful relationship, more meaningful moments. How do I want to spend my time? Who do I want to spend my time with? Choices. And the other thing that came up, and maybe it's not to talk about it here, but something about slowing down, that life can be experienced as very rapid. Yes. So we've got 24 hours a day, we're awake for 12 maybe, and or however many, and you know, it's time for lunch. And I mean, and if you have kids, and if you're a single parent, and if you're working, and you're you know, outside the home and you've got kids and you could say, well, how could I ever slow this down, you know, to have meaningful moments? One has to do with slowing down inside that we don't have to race at the pace that things seem to need to get done. Not everyone has learned that their mind and their body you know, your mind is your tool, your body is your vehicle. Mm-hmm. And we do experience a raciness, some anxiety, something in our bodies. And many of us have not yet come to the point of a realization like, oh, I can have some distance from this, even within myself, and observe, oh, this is how my body is reacting. And, you know, and then I have thoughts that maybe trigger that. And then there's that observer part of us that's really impartial and that some people haven't connected with. Others, um, I think in the Be Happy book, it talks about that part of you as like a wise inner adult or your wise adult self that's uh, more, I don't want to say mature, but impartial and paying attention seeing what's going on until a person can recognize that they can take some actions within themselves, Mm. um, which can become actions outside of ourselves. And the idea of, of making choices about, you know, what, who do I want to be with and what do I want to be focusing on or situations I want to put myself Yeah. Whenever it comes to the conversation around slowing down, 
I always think about presence Mm. and how I can bring my brain and body to a state of unification to be present. And because you're right, there are only so many hours in a day. (laughs) There actually are. Things do actually cost us increments of time. But I think if we can be more present instead of just zipping around in the moments, then we'll actually be able to keep it with us, internalize it in a different way. And so one of the ways that I create more presence (laughs) for myself and others Sometimes when I'm not in a space of enjoying something, because I think that's kind of when we feel really wild in our mind, is to become the observer, like you said, just take witness to everything that's happening. And then I ask my my brain, because it wants to go to work, so how can I use it in a way that benefits me? Then I ask my brain, how can I enjoy this moment more? no matter what moment I'm in, no matter what moment I'm in. And sometimes it may be that let's use a a scenario where you're, you're in an office space, you're in a meeting and your boss is saying something that is just really igniting yourself from the inside out. Could you put your hand on your knees and rub your knees? Maybe the gentle massage would feel good. Could you Take slow, slow breaths in through the nose, out through the mouth without anybody noticing so that you can support your system. Could you excuse yourself for a restroom break, perhaps, just depending on the scenario? So that's one example. But then maybe we're in a really beautiful experience and we're just rushing around. We're at a water park. We're just rushing, 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 rushing because we want to just do everything. Can we? slow down in those moments even, and just maybe express gratitude to the people we're with. Wow. Look around at all these amazing rides. I'm so grateful to be experiencing this with you right now. So I like to use the gratitude piece and the how can I enjoy this moment more piece to bring myself to a state of more presence when I need to slow down and take it in. I love that. So one of the things that I've used to help me is to, I, I don't know, I sort of made a big deal in my life. It really helped me out of reframing situations. You know, I mean, there's a million different things and a lot of people say, oh, I could never do that. So think about how you might be able to do it or let the ideas that Heidi and I that are coming through us, just stimulate you coming up with your best ideas. It might not be what we're doing. We're throwing some things out there for you to see what pops up for you that works for you. So one of the things I spend a lot of time doing is reframing situations. And once I got this idea from some teacher or book that Every moment I'm playing in a scene in my life. And in that moment, 
I'm the star because it seems like it's my movie. And the next person is a supportive actor in my scene. And I'm a supportive actor in their scene. And sometimes uh, you could sit back and get a chuckle from a scene. Even if your inside self is carrying on, like having a tantrum because you can't tolerate what's going on, you could get a little chuckle from that. Also, if you look at all the different roles you get to play, you know, daughter, maybe you're a mother, maybe you're a partner, what your work roles are, what your service roles are. I mean, when you think about all the different roles that we play, if you think about them as acting roles, it gives you a little distance and that you play on so many stages it sort of takes the edge off of any one stage. And then there was um, a phrase that came to me a long time ago, especially for situations that I dislike. How can I make this work for me? That's good. You know, and even if it stumps you in your thinking, you're like at least focusing in a way that sort of lifts you out of victim consciousness. Mm. Mm. Well, and you and I had this conversation a while back, you know, all kids are victims in one way or another, you know, there's a fight going on and you're, even if you're watching it sort of tangentially, you're like, oh, you know, you're getting like fallout from it, you know, and the thing is that you work on yourself and of course, if you're in a victimizing situation right now, as an adult, the first thing you have to do is get out. That's never okay. You know, and then once out and you're working on yourself, you want to not take victim consciousness, the mentality of, oh, I'm a victim every time something happens that you don't like, you know, so. I've you, seen people make that victim consciousness an unconscious patterning mm-hmm. throughout mm-hmm. their life. Like you said, I've met a couple people who I don't think they even realize that in almost every conversation we have, it always comes back to I am the victim in this situation. And it can literally be be anything. It could be they were the last person in line at a concert and they didn't get the seat. And oh, poor me. It's like the poor me mentality instead of if I was in the last back of the line for a concert, maybe in the past I would have leaned toward victim consciousness. But now I really choose to believe that life is happening for me. And wherever I'm supposed to sit, literally or figuratively, in each moment, I get to choose to view that of, wow, this is right where I'm supposed to be. Or why would somebody put me here? This isn't fair. And that's how I felt when I first got divorced was, why in the world would I be chosen to be in this situation, right? Thinking that it just dropped in my life from nowhere, taking zero personal accountability for anything and just really wanting to almost, I'm so distanced from it now that I can say these types of things, but I wanted to be the victim in those moments so that people would feel bad for me and love me. Because Mm. I felt so heartbroken, I didn't think that people still loved me. 
if my partner didn't love me and I thought he was my everything, then maybe nobody's going to love me anymore. So I have to make them feel bad for me so that I can stay in a loving relationship. And that was the furthest thing from the truth that I could have made up in my head, but my brain was scared and it was trying to be in survival mode. And so now it just goes into this space of this is right where I'm supposed to be, whatever it is. And if it's something I don't like, I I get to choose to go, what can I take away from this? What is this here to show me? What is this here to reveal to me? And when I take those questions that you can probably feel it in my essence right now, that gets me excited. Wow. I don't like this, but whoa, okay, there is something here that I'm meant to pick up on, that I am meant to see, that I am it's meant to reveal to me. And I may not see it today, but I'm going to be open to see it. Here I am. I'm looking around. I'm taking it all in. I'm slowing down. I'm getting presence because there's a lesson here. And if I don't find it today, it's okay. I'm going to find it somewhere else on the path. And I'm going to remember because my body is going to remember that moment that I did not want. It does a funny way of doing that. And later down the road, I'm going to go, oh, that's what it was. That was for this that I do, that I do want, that I do desire. So when we talk about desires, I think one of the most interesting things I realized about myself recently is that I've been reevaluating what do I even want for myself anymore? What do I want out of my, and, and the big categories are easy to go after, but you know, what do I want out of my career? What do I want out of my romantic relationship? What do I want out of friendship? What do I want out of entrepreneurial connections and, and collaborations? What do I, but then like even deeper, When my parents pass away, I'm so fortunate to have both of them now, and I have a great relationship with my parents. When my parents pass away, what do I want to remember that relationship being? Mm -hmm. When my niece and nephew go off to college, what do I want to remember our relationship of them growing up being? So I think a lot of those meaningful moments and now desires are starting to wrap themselves around each other in my life to start to reveal to me what I actually want my life to, I guess, leave as its legacy. Mm. I know that's a different topic, but... Well, you know, what you're really talking about is growing yourself to a point where you're actually consciously creating your life and we both come from a lot less consciousness <laughs> yes and somehow whether it was in us and and it's in you too you listeners and viewers because if you look for it it's there that spark of growth And when you could consider facilitating your own growth, I mean, certainly if you're watching this, you're on that path and there's ways to accelerate it 
It's so interesting. You can accelerate it by slowing it down (laughs) and recognizing meaning. You know, whether you felt like you created it or not, it's like, what is the deeper meaning of this? What I love that, what you said about what is the lesson in this and being open to not hearing the answer right away. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes I've, brought about the question has come to my mind and two days later i see a phrase on a truck right on the road and you go oh my god that's for me you know whatever that is so when we're open to that some people experience it in the early stages of synchronicity Mm. it's like coincidence that you know isn't random and you know, it, wherever you jump onto that uh, stream of growth and develop it, then it's not so off-putting when you find yourself in situations you don't like because mm-hmm. it has a deeper meaning. There is a lesson in it. And also, uh, one of the things you had brought up earlier before we started this was the idea of questions. Yes. And, you know, when you ask certain questions, they direct you to be open to finding things. You know, I I think I'd heard years ago, you know, if you don't ask the fitting question, you know, you're not going to get an answer or whatever the answer is along those lines. So I think questions, curiosity about your own growth. And also you had said something earlier about some encountering some individuals who may not be interested in less in more than the superficial information about themselves because they might be too frightened or opening up a can of worms or Pandora's box. So I don't know where this came from, but sometimes I get to say to somebody, oh wait. To know you is to love you. So the more you get to know about yourself, the more you're really going to get to appreciate about yourself. Mm, Absolutely. You know, and whatever help you need or support you need to persevere through fear is something worthwhile. Yeah. I love asking myself the curious questions now. In the beginning, I was a little intimidated by it. Mm -hmm. I think the intimidation or the fear comes from, can I handle the feelings of those discoveries? Mm. Because sometimes those discoveries are not diamonds. Right, right. And the idea of handling our feelings, especially so many of us, maybe all of us, I don't know, have come through life afraid about our feelings and um, to recognize that feelings are energy that comes through us that we were sort of trained to like or dislike. I love that perspective that we were trained to like or dislike, right? Because I really feel like I have changed my relationship to pain significantly to understand Mm. That I've I've trained myself now instead of going, ooh, I'm not gonna touch that. No way to go, wow, this is providing me with expansion. 
right here, right now. This moment is actually expanding my capacity for pain. So next time I feel something that feels painful, it may only feel like a little bit, even if it's a pretty big thing in my life, because I've experienced massive pain through divorce and loss. And I never thought that I could handle, hold, or navigate or process any of that. And so I understand why people might feel intimidated by their feelings at first when they don't have the tools or the support to move through that energy Mm. in a way that feels safe. That safety piece is so key. And now I feel safe enough or know how to access that safety within myself to go through any of the energies that flow through and know that I thank my pain for all the growth and expansion has given me, but also knowing that through that pain, I am able to access that much joy. If I can hand, it's the opposite. If I can have, have so much pain in my life, that means I was willing to risk myself for deep love. And I think that's a beautiful, beautiful duality we can get in the habit of just thanking all the energies for the gifts that they bring to our lives. Mm -hmm. So many of us started out in life either with role models or drawing conclusions ourselves or actually being told by the adults around us to squelch our feelings. Mm -hmm. And so we learned at an early age Uh, not to like feelings that we dislike. And what we didn't know is when you turn off a feeling that you dislike, you're also turning off its opposite because you can't just turn off half your feelings. Either you're turning off feelings or you're not turning off feelings. And it's scary when you're a kid because you really don't understand and I don't think that many of us had parents who could sort of translate that for us. Maybe today there are more because there's more expanded awareness and consciousness. Nevertheless, when children trigger the adults who are taking care of them, that the triggered adult sort of can't really be helpful then. Yeah. Yeah. Unless they can sort of say over it, like, I'm having a problem, but this has nothing to do with you. (laughs) And even then it's scary for the child. So I love, I love your insights. I love where you've brought yourself, where your growth has, has brought you to. There's something you said a minute ago about conscious creation I've never heard, you have such a beautiful way, you're an author, so that probably helps a bit, but you have a beautiful way of putting the way that I would describe things into words. So conscious creation, facilitating your own growth. I'm going to take that one with me. I think that's really important. But one thing I wanted to to expand on there was because I have a cousin of mine and she tells me every time I see her that at her funeral, she's 41 right now, okay? But at her funeral, because we never know when it's going to be, right? All she wants is for people to sit around in a circle and tell their favorite stories about memories that they made with her. Mm. And I thought, wow, 
that's really impacted that desire and meaningful moments since she said that because I went, wow, I want other people to be able to hold those moments for a lifetime with them and be able to talk to each other about the intimacy and deep meaning that we were able to experience together in our lifetime. How special is that? Isn't that great? But the conscious creation is important because we're a part of it. We're really a part of it. And I started thinking about nothing in my life happens until I leave this house a lot of days. I don't bump into anybody. I wouldn't see anybody. I was on Facebook the other day looking for events and I stumbled across a festival and I took my mom to it and we saw the most incredible handicrafts and musicians that nobody's ever heard of, but it was so fun to listen to their gifts and their talents. And so conscious creation of just going, I have a vision of what my desires are. I'm going to hold that vision steadily on a regular basis. I'm going to feel into that vision on a regular basis. I'm going to be intentional about it. And then I'm going to let life reveal itself. Mm. Right? Say more about that. I love knowing where I, knowing what those desires are for myself. Like, I want to go see live music. Okay. And then I'm going to kind of search around a little bit, consciously creating something. But then when I get to the festival, I don't even know what I'm going to find or what I'm going to see or what I'm going to hear. Or maybe on the way, we pass another live music thing and we just pull in just because. And it's not a coincidence. It's life revealing it. And if we're able to just look around and go, I want more live music in my life and I'm going to tell more people about it. Then I start getting text messages about it or Facebook messages. Yesterday, I had somebody message me. I have free tickets to the Martina McBride concert, downtown Columbus Commons. It was opening doors in 30 minutes. So we took the tickets and we went. And it was one of the best experiences I've I've ever had with my mom at a live music event. Mm. I mean, it was so beautiful. So I think holding the vision of what you want for yourself, but then being open to be shown alternative ways that that is available to you, I think is such a neat thing. Mm -hmm. Again, that goes back to my desire for surprise and delight. Mm, What am I going to find today? What am I going to find? I love it. So letting life reveal itself. I think I've come from... um, Growing myself, hopefully out of very codependent and controlling nature. And, you know, itty bitty step by itty bitty step. And then sometimes, you know, life would hit with something. And then I'm jumping ahead because I can't get away with trying to control someone that I love who I really want to support in their being the best. They can be, even though they're going to maybe leave me or do something else that I don't like, but that's really good for them. So, so there are situations in my life where I have information to share 
And sometimes somebody wants to hear it and sometimes they don't. And depending on, you know, how I feel called to be, I might share, I might not. And then whatever I choose, after I choose something, I let go of it and then let life reveal itself. So the other people may say something I'm not expecting. I I do my best to wipe away expectations, things like that. Sometimes it's if you're a person who likes to plan and feels great with, you know, having a lot of scheduled things to try a day when you don't have anything scheduled and what life reveals to you. Yes. You know, so I love that as a focus, let life reveal itself. It's like, calm down, Ellen, step aside and, you know, watch, watch and see. And there can be a lot of meaning in what's revealed. Absolutely. I felt a little bit of the letting go piece was saying to me some something along the lines of surrender. Right. Yeah. Right. And to me, surrender is only accessible when I remind myself that I am safe and able to handle any outcome. I may not like the outcome, but I am safe and capable of handling any outcome. I haven't died from any outcome I've had in my life so far. I haven't. (laughs) So sometimes it feels hard or I think sometimes people say it's hard, but really I think when they say it's hard, I think there's fear. Mm -hmm. I think it's Mm -hmm. hard actually means it's, it's scary. I'm fearful. I'm not sure if it will work out. There's uncertainty. So the way that I meet that within myself is to just lovingly slow down, get present and remind myself, you can handle any outcome and you will, you will, I will handle any outcome and I will be okay through that. I will be, I will wake up another day and be here to move forward and feel safe doing it. Right. Mm. But I love that choose and let go. Mm -hmm. Choose and let go. Yeah. Let it be what it's going to be because yeah. you chose it and it's okay that you chose it. I think of that as sort of surrendering to the moment. Yes. To being present for whatever, like you said. Something you said uh, made me think about sometimes people have trouble in their minds uh, with the idea of confronting another person. And that that could be scary and not feel safe. And I love, I had a teacher once who called, changed it from confrontation, which it could seem adversarial, to carefrontation. Ooh, I love that. Where all you're doing is saying the truth as you see it. That doesn't mean that the other person is going to see truth the way you perceive it. So to leave them space that they're not going to have to do that. You know, we get caught up in insisting and wanting someone else to see it our way or thinking about that controlling 
a way that I had been. And each person is in charge of their life. You know, I mean, if you're supervising a child's life or a person who's disabled, you know, there's there's a fine line between helping someone and recognizing their self-determination and doing your best to support, you know, the way that they are and the way they need to be. You know, so that's another sticky area is when things have to be my way. And, you know, it's like um, you had said something earlier. It's like, why do I think that? Why do I think that? Why do I think that someone else has to do something the way I think they should do it? That phrase, why do I think that, has been really helpful in the partnership, the relationship that I'm in now. And the partner that I'm with right now, my boyfriend, it he's, he's extraordinary. He's such a wonderful person, love being with each other. But that phrase, before I go and project something out, which I realize now is kind of a big word, but basically pushing my own insecurities onto someone else or my own beliefs onto someone else. Like, why would he do it like that? Like, how how come he's doing that? And why didn't he do it like this? And my own ways, I kind of go, why do I think that? Do I need to be right here? Or can we both think different things and still lovingly live under the same roof? Mm-hmm. And in most cases, we can. <laughs> And in in many, many cases, what I would have done in previous romantic relationships is just not take a moment to ask myself, why do I think that? I don't have to choose to believe that he's right. Why do I think that? And can we both just let it be the way that it is for each of us and still live in harmony? Right? So. I think that's that's what that phrase has been really special for me. And in unpacking, what did you say? We train our brain, our, our brains are trained to think one way or the other through our upbringing. It's yeah. the same way with this. It's why do I think that? Or why have I believed that for 40 years of my life? Did I get that from my mom or my dad or my third grade teacher or a magazine I read? Why, why think that? such a profound concept and new possibly for many of us is that things that appear to not be in alignment can exist simultaneously. I mean, that is really something that can follow from that is like, what needs to happen for these two things to exist together, mm. for these two people, for you and I to be together, what needs to happen to this energy that seems to be at odds? And very often it's something on one side and something on the other side. Yep. You know, now, now uh, two people in any relationship can share that and sort it out. 
Another way is to surrender to it, accept it. In this moment, I'm not going to be doing that. And you're not going to be doing this. Yes. Okay. So what time should we meet up for dinner? You know, I mean, it's like, yes. what do we want to do later? How has this become an issue dividing us? Yes. I was having different dinner with a friend a couple of weeks ago, and we got on a topic that I normally don't discuss with others these days, which is politics, because right. oftentimes that doesn't create more connection with <sighs> folks. <laughs> it creates more distance at times. It just is one of those topics. But we found ourselves in this conversation and we kind of paused. It was really special because it made me realize in that moment, she said, is it okay to talk about this together right now? And that permission alone made me realize that our friendship was valuable to her. Mm -hmm. Is it okay for us to talk about this together right now? Because maybe I would have felt safer not or talking about it maybe when we went to each other's house to visit rather than in the restaurant. Or maybe it was going to be a topic that we both just didn't feel comfortable talking about for a while or ever. Mm -hmm. But the fact that there was acknowledgement of, can we talk about this now for the permissioning piece, I think is a really sacred thing for us to get ourselves into of, is it okay for us to, or sometimes if you find yourself in those situations, maybe ask the person you're with, is it okay for us to continue this conversation? And I love what you said about where your energies are at. What do we need to do to perhaps continue this conversation in an energy that feels more safe, loving, seen, heard? Mm. What do we, is there something that we can do before we continue this conversation mm. that would feel so good for the both of us to have, have open minds? But yeah, I really thought that was a special moment in the conversation. And then we were able to have that chat and ended the conversation of, wow, you know, thanks for sharing that with me. I still feel how I feel around this and you still feel how you feel around this, but it wasn't trying to prove each other wrong. It was actually trying to understand more of where that person was sitting, more of what they were viewing. And I think it's really important in conversation of if we stop trying to prove the other person or get them to change their mind, mm -hmm. let's stop trying to change your mind because it's your mind, but mm -hmm. maybe we can just ask more curious questions. And one of my favorite phrases is, tell me more about that, or I don't really understand what you mean by that or how you got there. What's, what's the background that led you to, to this? belief or this thought or this feeling. So you can then just understand that person more. That's all it is. And that brings connection in my world versus this disconnect, this distancing. So um, I had a teacher early on in my growth who, who talked just about that and said that to ask a question with a sincerity about finding out like I, I really with a real interest in finding out to ask more specific questions mm -hmm. and you know I love that you brought that up I like the phrase 
And it's exactly what your teacher was talking about. Don't question the question. So you're not going into the question by being questioning. Questioning someone makes them feel like it's a threat on their character or their worth or their value. But curiously, sincerely asking Mm -hmm. a question to know someone more is so much more powerful and powerful. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm thinking that uh, we started out about creating more meaningful moments. And really, even though we had many different focal points, that they're all rooted in that. Yeah. Yeah. So anything, any last parting thoughts that you would care to share? And I will say at the end of the video, there'll be a screen that's got Heidi's contact information and mine too so that you can find us if we can be helpful in any way. And uh, so anyway, any um, parting comments that you care to offer? I think um, the curious part of me would just love to hear from some of the folks. Um, uh, They can message me anywhere that you'll leave and let me know what some of the meaningful moments that you're searching for look like. Coming up, I know I'm going to be working on that. I'm a big, big fan of my vision board. It's sitting right in front of me. It, I use it like a placemat. So I always have a huge poster board that I go to Target and Hobby Lobby and get a, a white poster board. And then I just fill it all these desires throughout the year. And they're not all things like laugh more is on my vision board. Just like, did I laugh today? Have I laughed at myself or for myself or with someone today? But um, I would encourage anyone to just put their desires out there and then really lean into them on a daily basis. Create more meaning in general in your life. And I really appreciate you having me here. It's it's meaningful for me to have the conversations that we always have. It's oh, really- I love, love, love our conversation. And um, I guess for me would be to look for where there's meaning already in your life and fan the flame of that as you, you know, chart new territory, navigate further. And as, you know, Heidi invites, what am I really looking for? What would I like more of? And um And there's so many ways to set that path and create within it and also let it be revealed to you. So anyway, so um, that's it for today. We hope you'll join us again. And uh, this has been great, Heidi. And that's it. Thanks so much. All right. Take care, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. If you loved our chat or know someone who would, take a quick screenshot and share it now or leave a five-star review so this message can reach the masses. Let's continue connecting. Drop me a DM at Your Divorce Planner or go to yourdivorceplannerhub.com to start coordinating your comeback today. You can even schedule a free connection call to dive into your desires 
and understand how partnering with your divorce planner will be a game changer for your next chapter. Tune in next week for another transformational topic. And remember, you are loved, you are worthy, you are enough. Take care.